0: Welcome to Bandit Vice TV, and this is the Matt and Mark podcast, the Bout Music podcast. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, abandon the astute observations and insightful discussions. I try to make a, a, a YouTube thumbnail with all that on there, and it just ain't happening. It's not <laughs> happening, man. So, simplicity is, is the key, I think, in this. So, you know, we're going to go with about Music for now, and I don't know, maybe we should open up a contest and see who can come up with the coolest name for our podcast, and we'll send them some t-shirt or something like that i'll get a sharpie and write the logo on a white t-shirt does it have to be a new
1: t-shirt or could it be a used one
0: <laughs> I, d- I think it all depends on the smell factor you know anyway so anyway i'm your host mark and this is my co-host i'm matt uh, hope you guys are doing well i hope you guys are enjoying everything that you're finding on band advice tv and uh so what's what's new with you Uh, Learning any new stuff lately?
1: Yeah, man, I've been working on some new tunes. Just uh, got a few things coming up here. I'm trying to get ready for like uh, I'm going to enter that Tiny Desk Concert uh, NPR Tiny Desk Concert contest again. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's kind of neat, you know, and it's just fun to see all these different people that entered. There was thousands of entries last year, you know. Wow! They there's all sorts of spoils for the victor, but you know, it's just fun to do it. Mm -hmm. So getting ready to do that here pretty soon i uh, i'm gonna red dirt musicians relief fund uh, deal down at Stillwater's coming up in may and oh I'm cool playing down there nice it's gonna be fun so uh just writing some songs trying to get some riffs together doing some you know more content for youtube and the, working on the website and booking some stuff for future you know
0: yeah yeah that's
1: awesome you went to this uh sound sound school thing the other day yeah
0: yeah it was really kind of cool it was the uh let me make sure i get the name correct down here it's the church sound boot camp um i'm sure you guys heard me talk about them i play guitar every sunday in our church and our sound engineer had heard about this boot camp and he decided that he was going to talk the church into sending him and a couple of the other sound engineers and myself to this boot camp and it was uh, a Four or five hours on Friday night and all day Saturday is just really in depth, intensive uh, camp.
1: That's a lot of push up. It's, huh? it's
0: <laughs> yeah, don't doubt, no doubt. Well, the first Friday night, which like like I said, was four or five hours. Nothing but microphones. Wow. It was insane. All the stuff about microphones and they had a guy come in. I believe it's DPA microphones. And this, these are your high end, thousands of dollar kind of thing. And he's one of their their reps and. He came in and just was, geez, showing off all the mics first and foremost, which was kind of cool to hold on to some of these things, uh, also very nerve-wracking. But then he, he would talk about just how you position these things and, uh, and, and ways that you can utilize uh, rejection in order to you know filter out the sound and, and to get a much better recording, a much better balance. I mean, the, ultimately the whole goal is that you want to be able to mic your instruments, mic the band and all that kind of stuff, To where it sounds about as perfect as you can get it and then just use your eq and and your faders ever so slightly just for fine tuning but really you you don't want to be doing a lot of post-production stuff you want the sound that's going onto tape or onto into your DAW to be as perfect as possible and he's shown us the tips and tricks on that there's one case uh one video that he showed where he was recording this band as a female guitarist and singer they had a stand-up bass, they had a couple other instruments in there as well as drums. And just by having them and they were just in one large room, which had some you know, sound, sound deadening uh, on the walls and stuff, but they weren't using any gobos or anything like that in between there. And just by having them all positioned in, in a room and utilizing and really knowing you know how the patterns of the cardioid patterns and the other patterns of the microphones work and that you set them up for optimum rejection, that after the recording was done, he could go through and, and solo out channel by channel, and you would hear nothing but what was intended for that channel. So, as uh, she's playing the acoustic guitar and singing, when she would solo the singing channel, you didn't hear the acoustic guitar. You play the acoustic guitar, you wouldn't hear her singing. Same thing with all the other instruments around there. In fact, the only bleed over that was obvious was uh, when he, she did. I'm sorry, when he did solo the acoustic guitar, you could hear a little bit of the snare drum. And that's just because the snare was reflecting off of the surface of the guitar and going into the mic. If it if that wasn't reflecting at all, you wouldn't have heard it on that mic. Yeah. It was yeah. just
1: fascinating. Yeah, that's really cool. And then, like, to take it further, you know, you you roll off what you don't want those mics to pick up. Right, you know? right. Like, if you're micing the drum set, you're going to roll off the tom mics at such and such frequency. If Absolutely. If you're micing the snare drum, you don't really want it picking up bass drums, so you right. roll it all off. And so... I'm amazed how the combination of that with microphone technique and obviously high-class microphones make a big difference. Sure, sure. And at first, maybe you don't realize that, but you know, work with the $200 microphone, then go work with a $5,000 microphone, yeah. and you'll see the difference <laughs> right, really fast. Absolutely.
0: But you know, it's even if you are just dealing with the the one or two hundred dollar microphones, utilizing these techniques and just knowing what the mic is supposed to do, right? And knowing how to set up the other mics in the room. To, to work with that so you have optimum rejection and, and that you're not dealing with proximity effect too much. Uh, yeah, proximity effect, that's when your voice gets much lower the closer you get to the microphone. Right. And uh, That's why radio DJs sound like this. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, just just doing that, even with the and stuff like that, it will make a world of difference. And I, I think that's just, you know, when you're the guitar player, you're not thinking about that stuff. And when you're hiring your buddy to run sound, all he's thinking about is getting the stuff set up and then grabbing a pitcher of beer. And, uh, you know, you get a good sound guy in there, and it makes a world of difference. Sure it you know, does. Guy or gal. We're not going to play any gender biases here, so.
1: <laughs> I know some sound girls that are nice. really good at nice. it. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that, you know, it's like a whole, whole thing. I mean, our, our college sound guy, he went out to California to the Concert Sound Engineering School and mm-hmm. learned how to... Work on a bigger level. He was. He did all kinds of stuff, and he'd go and do monitors for somebody. He'd go on tour. He did, you know, all kinds of things, and you know, just it's technology in a different, different way than most most band guys think of it. You know. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And what was really cool is I'm trying to find the name of the guy. I think his name is Kurt. He, uh, well, he learned from the best. He learned from Bill Porter, and if you guys don't know, he Bill Porter was. Elvis' is sound engineer. He also worked with Chet Atkins and all kinds of people. I mean, this, if you're going to learn from a guy, that's a guy to learn from. So I learned from the guy that learned from him. So that's pretty cool.
1: Man, there's all kinds of those visionary guys. Some of them are still alive, you know, and it's cool to, you know, I, I look up to guys like that just as much as I look up to guitarists, you know, your Mike Matthews from Electroharmonics, mm-hmm. Les Paul, and, uh, you know, Seymour Duncan, you know, these people that they were in the music business sort of, but it was kind of like the technology part of the music business. And so they were, Les Paul's a great player. Seymour Duncan's a great player, you know, as in their own right, but they did as much for the tech technological part of it as they did for the playing part of the thing. Yeah. And that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. If you guys ever get a chance, just Google Les Paul and, there's like an hour or two hour long documentary on him, and it's just
1: fascinating. Or better yet, just read his biography. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get. Do people a real... actually
0: read anymore? Yeah, I do. Oh, I <laughs> mean, that's you, good.
1: you get a real idea of what he was about. You know, it was yeah. pretty pretty awesome life, pretty yeah. awesome story.
0: Just that that whole deal with, with the modifying the the tape decks to uh, to do the overdubbing. It's like, man, nobody thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> Part of well, on that one video too, uh, they're talking. Les Paul was talking about a situation when he went uh, went home and saw his mom, and his mom's like, "Oh yeah, I heard you on the radio the other day." He goes, "I wasn't on the radio the other day." "Oh sure you were," and that's when he realized that there were people out there that were actually imitating him now, Oh. and that the the style and the overdubs and all they were imitating him. And I don't think they're necessarily uh, you know trying to ride on his name, but definitely on on his accomplishments. So he decided that he had to do something different. So that's when he started speeding up the tape. See, he'll start recording speeding up the tape you get these really high you know kind of alien sounds on uh, from the guitar and stuff and it it was really at that point in time super experimental i mean that's you know your prog rock its infancy
1: (laughs) oh yeah man yeah some of those like four parts at a time going on
0: oh sure and mary ford was just a brilliant singer she had a beautiful voice and she do all those layered harmonies on there too. It's crazy. Yeah, and
1: you know, it's like everybody knows him for oh he he invented the electric guitar. That's not quite true, but no, sort of. No. You know, I mean, the Les Paul was a kind of a the you know the first of the many electric guitars, and he did have a big hand in that. But mm-hmm. he did a lot more than just that. So right. just all for right. that, I, I look up to the guy. You know, Absolutely. I mean, you, you wouldn't be sitting behind a sixty-four channel desk if it wasn't for Les Paul. No, you would not. And so guys like that really look up to him because, you know, they made our job easier and better and more interesting sure. and more possibilities, you know what I mean?
0: Yep. Plus he's a Wisconsin boy. Got to respect that. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: If you didn't realize this, I'm an Okie from Milwaukee, so yeah, <laughs> long live Wisconsinites. He was
1: rhubarb red early in the early days.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. So when you're playing live, what kind of, what kind of sound gear do you use?
1: Well, I, we got like – Three different setups, basically. And so, you know, when I'm playing, like, solo gig, I'll just usually use, like, a powered monitor, a JBL-powered monitor, and a some kind of mixer. You know, any, anything, really. It doesn't, You know, it's just me and acoustic guitar, so it doesn't have to be anything spectacular. So I usually do that for that. And then, you know, band gig, I'll either be... I'll use those... Uh, I like those Soundcraft-powered mixers. Mm-hmm. The thousand watt version of it i mean it's still it's like you can lift it up with your finger it's just amazing oh, cool. how light it is and so you know plug in there and it'll give you 500 watts a side you know and that's good enough for little club gigs and 15s in a horn and then mm-hmm. run that powered monitor off of the monitor out on there then you could also run with like separate power amps two big bigger speakers and then use those 15s as side fills mm-hmm and beyond that you know i mean they're gonna have a house pa if it's anything bigger than that sure and so you know i like to keep it compact and keep it like you know we don't have to haul around a whole lot of stuff because it just takes a lot of time you know and the first thing out of their mouth is too loud so (laughs) i mean yeah Yeah. there's no sense in hauling around a bunch of subwoofers and all that stuff some of these smaller places just don't need it.
0: Remember that PA system that you had that we used to use at the coffee shop? Yeah. And that big subwoofer and those two yeah. little there, tens or something like that? Yeah. Like, and that little sub would put out some bass, man. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I, that sounded the best when we had that running with those two 15s and the horn. Oh, yeah. yeah. That always sounded good because you had, you know, the big out front and then, the, you know, the sub picking up those. Yeah. It's a good old PB Triflex system.
0: It's <laughs> a heavy booger, too. I mean, it I remember, I was trying to get that in the back of your VW Bug.
1: Yeah, it was like a shipping <laughs> trunk, you know.
0: <laughs> oh man, good old days, huh? Good old yeah, days. I knew
1: I was going to have to get a truck if I was going to start play music more because hauling yeah. it around. Yeah, I can't believe how it's gotten now, though. Though I mean, you know, now it's not like anything was before. I mean, before it was like power amps, then then speakers, passive speakers. Now it's like powered speakers, right? And some interface with your. Uh-huh. Uh, tablet or phone or something like that
0: yeah the board that we're running at, at church it's uh it's a yamaha and uh so it's got the full-on wi-fi so we got we can run the tablets and stuff like that plus on our phones we all have apps on our iphones that we can control our own monitor mix wow. so i have you know my the electric guitar monitor mixer if i'm on the uh, the wi-fi when i'm out front uh the inners i can just go and balance all 16 17 tracks that we got going they got them grouped up so the vocalists, lady vocalists are there and it's like whenever we have uh, one particular vocalist i gotta make sure to go in and pull her way back because she's she's got one of these really out there voices and uh but it's, it's really cool it's really cool the, a lot of capabilities yeah yet yeah, we still have people that are resistant to it you know we're, we're trying to go totally uh soundless on stage. So we're to, I wanna, we want to, we want to get rid of all the, uh, the monitors, floor monitors, but you always get some guys like, uh, I don't have an iPhone and I hate wearing headphones when so I'm playing. It's like, it's like, well, just take the monitor away and then you'll have to, you'll have to get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was some of the co- topics that some of the people are having too. It's like, uh, there's a lot of pushback from their, their players and their bands about the going in ears on everything. And one guy goes, Oh, the, you know, you take the, the, the floor monitors away and, you know, they'll, they'll still continue to grow for another six to eight months, but then they'll finally come around. It's like, yeah. wow, six to eight months. I love it. so. Yeah. I just
1: got to the point where I was like, you know, if I can hear it as good as an AM radio, mm-hmm. I can work with that. Yeah. I mean, and you know, remember the monitor mix for America. Remember how tinny that—that oh, that was painful, man. It is
0: super loud too. Yeah, the first thing we did is say, like, yeah, turn it down. That's just you.
1: indicative of somebody who doesn't have any
0: high end hearing anymore. Right, right. All those years. I mean, exactly. just it was—it
1: was uncomfortable. It's like an uh-huh. ice pick to the ears. Uh-huh. And so I've just kind of got to the point where I'm like, hey, you know, I mean, um, if I can hear. Everything, you know, that's cool. And it gets, of course, more complicated when you got more pieces, you know. And mm-hmm. So, you got 35 people up there in the band and the singing and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Those church gigs I've done, it's like there's always somebody complaining about how it sounds. I just, yeah. It's exhausting.
0: Well, we're getting pretty good at it. We got a really talented uh, sound engineer and he's been training his guys really well. So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's about getting the. The, the band members because we rotate band members love different people every week mm. i think myself and, and the uh, the worship leader are about the only two that are really consistent every week and uh, so it's just getting everybody on board and because <laughs> i switch between electric and acoustic so i'll you know have the electric sound all set up monitor mix great for me and then i'll go to acoustic the next week and i'll come back it's like ugh. The guy that played electric last week mixed up my whole mix, so... Yeah. Trying to figure out if there's a way that we can actually save presets on there. We haven't got to that
1: point. Oh, yet. yeah. That'd be real handy. i just
0: punch up, you know, preset one, preset two, and go right back to the way I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And I, I usually will just... on my, We wear in-ears, and I'll usually just do it in one ear. And it depends. If I'm out front playing acoustic, I'll have it in this ear. That way I can hear the people to the left of me. But if I'm playing uh, electric, I'm like right in front of the drum cage, and right over my left shoulder is the percussionist. And... They they get they get crazy sometimes. <laughs> They'll get those those bongos going or or start uh, start going on the, the Jinbei and stuff and it's like Yeah, I can't hear so I have to switch over to this ear. But I'm not, noticing in my ears a difference of you know, even the same volume, it's like the yeah, this one's got some, some hearing damage to it, so
1: Yeah, So yeah.
0: even switching between the two ears I have to change some of the levels. So so yeah I-
1: after all those years of loud music I'm sure I've, I've got some hearing damage too but you know i I, I never used any ears I never really you know it's expense the, the expense for one thing and then mm-hmm. it's another thing that you know get tangled up lost <laughs> broken stuff yes yes and yes. so <clears throat> I haven't ever really explored that too much but I like the sound I'd like to feel it right you know yeah. and all this the rage now is you know no sound on stage or very little sound on stage. And you know, everybody has a clean stage. I'm like, Hey, I like to see what kind of amps they're playing. Sure. I like to see, sure. you know, e- <laughs> you know, humor me, just show me something real on stage.
0: You know? <laughs> well, gosh, even in, you know, right now I'm, I'm going ampless. I'm just doing a cab simulator going direct into a, a DI box and into the board. And that's just cause I got tired of carrying my amp around all the time. But, uh, there's some of the churches that are out there that they want to have the clean stage. So if you are running a tube amp and you do want that thing cranked up to 11 to get the, the tone that you're looking for, they'll actually have it way off stage in a contained box, the soundproof box and things like that, which I can't even imagine trying to run something in tubes in a, in a enclosed box. The heat inside there has got to just get insane.
1: Well, it's like what it is, is a, it's an isolation box. Right. And so you're just like, you're running the... You know, it's like a speaker inside a box. Mm-hmm. And so they've got like an XLR that's catching the, a microphone that's inside the box mm-hmm. or a direct signal or whatever they want, you know. And so I I, I was always thought that would be really handy because even playing those casino jobs, the same thing. You know, they don't want loud mm-hmm. amps on stage. And so, uh, you know... It's just a real struggle. And so I sure. thought, you know, having a, an isolation box somewhere off stage would be cool. And then, you know, you have another, another monitor that's, you know, got an actual guitar speaker in mm-hmm. it. And you can, you know, sort of use that f- with a volume knob on it for mm-hmm. yourself. And so, you know, I, 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 I met this manufacturer one time and they asked me what, what would they like to see them make. And so I told them what they should make. And they were they were making speaker cabs and amps and stuff and lo and behold they they went to market with something just about like oh, that. Oh, brutal! Yeah, and I was like, hey, remember me? <laughs> yeah. Remember Vince. this drawing I sent you? <laughs> and they were like, oh, and it was so uncanny how like the verbiage was almost like s- similar to what I told them, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was it's a great idea because you know. If you're running a running a loud-ass amp, you want to be able to put a collar on it and, and control it. Sure. And even like in those big shows, a lot of those cabs are empty, and they've got a, you know, <laughs> a, a small amp in an ISO box down underneath the stage. Right, and right. That's where they're getting most of well, it. Well,
0: Brian May, he'll have the wall of the Voxes, those AC-30s, mm. but some of them are just parts. They'll just have them up there to part out, and he actually only runs three of them. Yeah. And he does, uh, well, what's the combination? It's like... Wet dry wet combination, mm. and that they mixed in at the board. So, but you know, I went to the Generation Axe, and the, you know, it was the big comp uh, concert. Well, you are there too, yeah. yeah. And uh, you, you remember Ingvae set up all yeah. those Marshall stacks mm-hmm. took up half the stage. The drummer was offset over to the <laughs> over to stage right, and he had this nasty wall of, of Marshalls. And then you got Steve with his little Legacy stuff right there in the center, and then Tobin's got his stuff off to the side. I'm like. There is no way in the Brady that he's got all those marshals going. No, they're for show, and it's like, could you, could you just dial the ego back a little bit and take a couple of those off there so the stage looks a little more balanced? I just
1: can't. <laughs> I just can't think that he'd have more than one or two of those going. Yeah, you know?
0: it just it doesn't make any sense. I remember, Cheap Trick did that. Uh, Rick Nielsen had all of them, but. Half of them were, were uh, instead of speakers, they had auto headlights, and they hit it on some of these things would light up like yeah. the high beams and deer and that yeah. kind of thing. Well, and, and even kind of
1: like play. I've played some pretty good sized places, and they were all, you know, like, oh, you need, you, we just can't have that kind of stage volume, you know. Yeah. And there's just no way in the world that they're running all those amps, no, no. and so.
0: Especially if you're going to run them the way that you need to run them to make them sound good. Yeah. You know? Well, he plays
1: those big 200-waters or whatever his Yngwie model is. And, mm-hmm. I mean, even at the Brady, I think, you know, you run a 200-watt amp into a couple of cabinets at 8, and they're probably going to be like, you can probably mm-hmm. dial that back a little bit because we can't get the vocals over your amp just coming out of your amp, you know. Do any of the uh, venues ever
0: make you use the baffle of shame?
1: i've never had to use one but i've seen them you know yeah. and like i said i've tried to get to where okay the whole idea is you want you want something to be able to turn up so it's going to act up right and if you got like a hundred watt amp it's going to take a lot for that to act yeah. up yeah. and the volume that acts up at is not acceptable to most sound guys clubs etc therefore like hey if you're going to play a fender twin you're going to have a lot of hauling around you're mm-hmm. going to have a a heavy-ass, big amp to haul around. Plus, if you want it to act up, you're either going to have to bring it all with pedals or you're mm-hmm. going to have a lot of uh, problems playing at the volume that delivers. Yeah. So, the answer is to get a smaller amp. Right. 15-watt amp, running it at 6, through a 410 cabinet is not offensive for most clubs. Yeah. You know, and so... That's
0: kind of what I've been hearing is that, like, you know, anything more than 20, well, 20 watts is... is not uh, necessary because everything's being mic'd these days I
1: don't you know? believe I would buy anything more than a 20 watt amp you yeah. know I mean I, I've i got eight that 18 watt Marshall head that I've play, been playing a lot on the last few electric gigs last year I mean I can't see how I could want to play any louder than that at most of the shows that I play at Yeah, you know even the bigger shows you know Canes <laughs> or Brady or something like that yeah okay I'd, I'd probably pull out my 50 watt head uh, and a couple of cabinets maybe but you know, just it's a lot different. There's a lot more space there. You know, sure. but still, I mean, like you say, that there's not a, no way in the world all those cabinets were on and plugged <laughs> in and everything else. He was playing all that. That was,
0: uh, you know, on a big stage, it probably looks really cool. It just looked really awkward on the on stage there in the Brady, especially when it's like I said, it took up almost half the stage. It's like, a... but you know, whatever. Yeah, there goes Steve's gig, and if he's okay with it, you know, that's you know. I think he was just there to have a good time. And well, music, you know, so.
1: I think that, like, you know, people view Ingve as kind of like a, a, the first of a kind of part of kind of musician, you know. That mm-hmm. There wasn't really a lot of people like Ingve at first in rock music. Mm-hmm. And I always thought of him as a classical musician who plays a rock instrument. Right. You know, and he's kind of got the temperament of a classical musician, what you read <laughs> about him anyway. Sure. You know, I don't know Yngwie. I've, I've heard his stories. I've seen, you know, he's he's ink they man i mean same way paganini was paganini those guys had they were on another level
0: right and they kind of they kind of earned their right to have a little bit of a an ego and you know i don't i've never heard any super horror stories about him but you know he's he's definitely got a uh we'll just say an elevated level of confidence when he's up there on the stage which that's that's cool you yeah. know
1: yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's Ingve, man. Yeah. That's what makes Ingve Ingve. And I think Vi, you know, he realizes that. Sure. And that's entertainment, I guess.
0: And the people who are going to go to see Ingve are going to want that kind of in your face kind of attitude, too, I think. So, sure, man. Because that's what they did back in the 80s. Remember, he used to hang that really huge strap behind the stage and actually get up and play it? Oh. <laughs> I can't imagine how he ever did play it, but he did. So. I
1: don't know. It was crazy.
0: All right, so what kind of microphones do you use?
1: Uh, let's see for my vocal mic is like usually a beta blue, 57 beta blue mm-hmm. for vocals. You know, I like it cause it's real directional mm-hmm. and it's real clean and you can drive nails with it. Nice. Um, I mean, I got, I had one of those things. I just, I use that thing to... Just fell hard. <laughs> so uh, you know I, if, I usually always carry a, a spare of everything like that so you know i have 57s and a mm-hmm. and then i have a 58 beta blue and that you know that's like just like a 58 it's just the blue series a little bit better microphone mm-hmm. i think a little bit um wider frequency response and a cool cleaner cool but you know i mean you got to kind of match a, uh, the mic to kind of your voice, you sure. know, and, and some mics sound really great on me and some don't, you know? And so you just kind of by experimentation and trial and error, you know, you get, get something that works good for you. Yeah. yeah. And I like that one. You know, cause it's just high feedback rejection. I mean, you got to really be abusing it to get, get it to start squealing. Mm-hmm. And so I use that. And then I have this little, it's an electro voice mic on my guitar amp. I don't know, man. It doesn't sound that good on vocals, but it just sounds great on guitars. Oh, cool. And it's, you know, I don't know. I've looked it up several times and never can find much information about it, but it's it's marked, you know, the old EV logo. Right. And it just sounds great on a guitar cabinet. Nice. And, you know, I've got a bunch of other little microphones. I got one of those little sure, I think it's a 91. And it's, you know, it's like just a little capsule about the size of my pinky, but it goes into this little baffling deal and you can hang it on a wall. You mm-hmm. can put it on the floor. You know, they use it for plays and it picks up a lot, wide range, but I use it for kick drums a lot. Oh, cool. Or bass guitar, or, you know, just ambient kind sure, of like, sure. you know, there's just something about some of those recordings that and a lot of it's just some ambient sort of sounds. And mm-hmm. so that's a good way to pick that up. I uh, got like a D112 that I use for kick drums. Um, they're not road into whatever they are, but there's some other condenser dr- mics on mm-hmm. the drums and cymbals. of snare. Usually it's a 57 I run the bass guitar direct. Usually, you know, I don't have a lot of microphones and, you know, that are very great, but right. you know, just for recording what I'm doing here and there is fine.
0: Yeah. These that we're running right now is so I got a, a 58 and this is, uh, sure it's the bg2 i think it's like one of the early betas so the bg stands for beta green and oh. i was it was one of those deals i went in poor poor white kid that one of the microphone guy hey, check these out and it's the right price at the time and I, I checked it on ebay the other day and it's going for like 25 bucks yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever it, it, it sounds we've been using it on all these podcasts it sounds fine you know so No need to EQ us. What I really
1: notice is, you know, the the cheaper microphones, you really start to notice what they're made out of when you start hitting them with some compression. Right. When you really start knuckling down on them, you can tell, hey, I'm recording on Chinese preamps and Chinese microphones, (laughs) and, you know, this isn't a $5,000 Neumann. You can really start to tell when you start hitting it with some compression. Okay. But for the most part, man, I mean, the idea is to try to, like, Not just not do something because you can't afford the best gear. The idea is to like get some gear you can afford and wring every bit of potential out of it that you can, you know? And, uh, yeah,
0: definitely. Cool. So when you, uh, when you're micing up your guitar, you can mic it up your amp, where do you position it on the cone?
1: I like to kind of like point the, microphone sort of in it like you know how the cone is sort of angled like this Uh i kind of like point it like at the angle of the the side of the cone okay kind of like angled like that against the side of the cone
0: so you're going pretty much perpendicular to the cone itself how far from the center are you
1: oh you know just a little bit off of there off center okay
0: yeah, I played around a lot with that. You know, when you're right on the center of the cone, it's definitely going to get a lot more of your highs in there, and the further out you move, you're going to get a little more of the lows. Mm-hmm. So when I mic up my stuff, I'll, I'll usually go, I wouldn't say even between the, the the outer and the inner, but, you know, maybe a little bit closer towards the center. But I do like to get a little of the warmth out of the, the speaker. It also depends which amp you're using, too.
1: So. Sure, yeah. Well, you know, it's like just micing it live. I mean, I've... <laughs> i've had those times where you know you come back and the sound guys the just the cap the head part of the cabinet oh my gosh <laughs> like the little meme i've had that happen one time this kid was helping somebody you know and I come back there and he's like oh. <laughs> i'm like no it's down here the figures are down yeah,
0: that is awesome but, but this is the imp no, that's the head <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so that's uh, funny I, I have
0: to kind of laugh too the you know you see a lot of the videos where they'll take the the S M fifty sevens and just kinda of dangle it down and in front of the <laughs> speaker. It's like, Okay, that's it's a cardioid pattern. You are gonna be picking up a bunch of crap bouncing off the floor. Yeah. And you're gonna have a very low input from your amp because it's hitting the side of that pattern where where it's it's not picking up as much and it's like well it looks cool. Well, fine. Yeah, sure. Well, it's blown by a lot, yeah.
1: It's like, you know, it's getting some stuff off the floor because it's so directional. But Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, ideally you want to have you're getting you everything a... off
0: the floor. You're getting the, the toms, you're getting the kick and all that stuff off the floor that's coming in through your, your mic. But, I don't know.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, just having a mic that's on a stand and steady on the stand and quiet on the stand and... Good cable and all that kind of stuff it's a good mm-hmm. place to start. You know, and just move, move the mic around. See what sounds good, the best for you, you know. You know, that kind of reminds me,
0: you're talking about isolation boxes. I saw a guy who had built himself a really nice isolation box, but he wanted the ability to still experiment with moving the mic around. So he, he took the parts out of like a CNC machine or something like that. And it's got the, the track and access and stuff, so it'll go all different directions. And he actually built this rig in there that he put his mic on, had a little camera on the thing, and a little controller. So as he's playing in the one room, if he, if he wants it a little closer, he'll, he'll go move in. If he wants it a little further, a little left, he'll move it back and forth until he finally found the sweet spot. It's like That's a lot of work.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> but,
0: you know, maybe it might be less work than constantly running back and forth and flipping the lid open, but, yeah. Well, She's you know, once you kind camera. of Why get not, right? once
1: you kind of get the signal chain working for you, you know, you kind of know what works and sure. stuff.
0: And put a little tape square on it to where to point the mic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You know,
0: awesome. Well, that's a lot of good a lot of good discussion on sound reinforcement and microphones and the baffle of shame. God, there's a, a bar in Indianapolis I always go to called the Slippery Noodle, oldest bar in, in Indiana, and it actually used to be a, a stop on the Underground Railroad. it's, oh, yeah. it's a blues bar, but. We we're hanging with one of the bands one night and I saw the guy at the Baffle Shane goes, Oh, making you use that, huh? And he's like, Yes. <laughs> he just grit his teeth. It's like But it's it's such a bright room anyway, that they just they have
1: to do it. Yeah. You know, you what was he sticking. playing through? A sixty watt fender Super or something? It
0: was uh it was a, a fender Tweed of sorts, so it may have been a junior. I don't know. But I regardless of the amps, all the amps had to have it. So that was just their rule there. So Wow. But you know. I'm not gonna argue with a venue like that that's been around that long. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Well, cool. Good. Good talk. Good talk on Sound and, and mics and things like that. Uh, you know, if any of you guys are interested, this this uh, this cat that does the uh, the church sound boot camp. You know, just go to his website, which is churchsoundbootcamp.com. And he, uh, in fact, he's gonna be in Indiana next if he hasn't done it already. But he he goes around about ten cities a year. And he has an online version of the course, too, so it's it, well worth it. You know, If, you, if you're just dabbling in sound or, or you're trying to figure out how to talk to your, your sound engineer, you'll learn a lot. So Anyway, a little cheap, pretty plug for him. <laughs> all right, well, I guess until next time, uh, that's about all i got. You got
1: this? Sounds good, man. And,
0: well, I am Mark, and this is Matt. And we are Matt Mark's about music podcasts (laughs) remember it's not just good advice it's bad advice peace